Gong Yu Hu, Kim Woo Bin, never heard of him. Park Sejun, I have no idea who you're talking about. I, I don't know anyone but him. He's all I care about. I've watched only his dramas since this ended. Annyang SAO, welcome to Afternoon Delight, where Leah, Megan, and Amy, romance novelists and your K-Romance guides. So grab some deck bokey and listen to your new favorite unease. Hey, everybody. Hello. Hello. So we don't have Amy today. We have that tiny little hello, <laughs> which is coming from Becky, who is um, the host of It's Bananas and is going to be guest hosting with us today. So a louder hello today, Becky. Hi, everyone. <laughs> this is Becky. I'm really excited to be here. So um, yeah, so what brought us here today and why we don't have Amy here is the three of us watched um watched the drama my dearest and this drama just finished recently like it didn't finish the other day but it's you know it's been pretty recent and we know a lot of folks have big feelings on it and so we thought you know let's let's prioritize doing it and amy just didn't feel like this was going to be one for her i agree i agree hard (laughs) but we'll talk about that later so i think it was a good call yeah but becky did watch and um and watched it as it was you watched it live correct becky so i binged the first eight or ten episodes to catch up and then i watched okay. the whole second half live so i yeah it was like one or two per week and then you had to wait okay so let's go through we're gonna what we're gonna do here is we are gonna do the non-spoiler section where we'll talk kind of generally about the drama if you haven't seen it um, this might be a spot where you can kind of decide, is this your cup of tea or not? Um, and then we'll go on to a clear spoiler section where we'll discuss kind of, uh, you know, the things about the story that I don't know. <laughs> I can't say much more than that. Just the spoiler section. <laughs> so, okay. Just to start us off, one word to describe my dearest. So I'm going to say unforgettable. And I'm going to say that (laughs) there's like triple meaning to that word. And it doesn't necessarily mean that this is my favorite (laughs) drama. But I'm going to say unforgettable. Unforgettable. (laughs) Okay, Becky, you. I am going with the word opera. It Operas are usually... Yeah, so they usually have the plot is with love, tragedy, and death. They're super epic, extremely emotional, high, low. It asks for all of your attention the entire time. Focuses on different characters. All drama. That's a good one. Yeah, I like that too. Man, I can't, I don't think I can beat that one. Um, Look, I'm just going to go very, hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, I was going to say saga, which is kind of similar, but less fun than opera. But yeah, we're this is a span of time. This is like, you know, big forces at work externally and internally, just like a sweeping, a sweeping saga, but opera is better. So let's keep going to. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this was billed, and this is what caught my attention with it, as a retelling of Gone with the Wind. So with that as the premise... What was your connection to like that story, if any? Like, 
do, are you a gun with the fan girly? Is that something you've like never watched? Don't care about kind of like, what's your connection to gone with the wind? Um, I didn't even know that this was a gone with the wind, a retelling until like you told me when I was in like episode two or three, like I had no idea. Um, and I will say, I, I, I do not know much about gone with the wind. I've, I never read the book. I think I watched the movie. I, three decades ago i mean i don't remember very much of the movie at all but i know enough that when you said this is a gone with the wind retelling i was like okay i can like see the characterizations and 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 such but like plot points and stuff i had i had no idea i've never seen gone with the wind i don't know anything about it i have a picture of the heroine in my mind in a big ball gown which may or may not yes, actually be correct. Like that's my whole that picture of yeah. her and the and a man nearby who, in my mind, looks like Tom Selleck. I don't know what he actually looks like, but that's what's in my head. That's it. That's all I have for Gone with the Wind. In total, and and I know he at the end he says, "I don't give a damn." Frankly, oh. my dear, I don't give a damn. That's, yeah. that's all I know. So I've heard yeah. that line, but I actually did not know it was with Gone with the Wind. So thank you for that. Oh, they don't yeah. say that in the. I feel like they should have said that at some point. They, yeah, I was waiting. I was actually waiting for it. <laughs> um, that's going to go in the spoiler section. Okay. Oh, yeah. Because okay. that's actually the, um, that is one of the final lines of the movie, Gone with the Wind. Right. Okay. And it's pretty important to what that story does and where we diverge in this. So I will say, the be- so I am a Gone with the Wind. Well, I don't know if I would say a fan because like it is one of those... I'm very, I'm familiar with it. So growing up, um, I grew up with a parent who was really very um, committed to the public library system in a good way. And also was really committed to me watching um, older movies. And so I feel like more than most, I've like watched a lot of like older classics and like not just watch them once. Like I also lived in the country. So I probably have watched Gone with the Wind like nine times. Whoa. Oh, wow. Um, My gosh. And I've also read Gone with the Wind at least twice. And I mean, it, we're talking a hunky book. It's like over a thousand pages. Yeah, it's huge. I actually and just then, saw it at my bookstore the other day. And I, I was thinking of getting it. And I was like, oh, oh, no, this is huge. And um, I also did read Scarlet for better or worse, which was like, um, I don't know, that was kind of that came out decades ago, but it was kind of like the controversial next chapter where somebody kind of like, I mean, now I'm more curious about it. At the time, it was kind of like, how do you like, because that's it's a very iconic ending. But somebody kind of went on to do like the next stage of Scarlet's life and wrote Scarlet as kind of like a fanfic that got a big publishing deal. Um, I've also been to Margaret Mitchell's house, the author of Gone with the Wind. Um, it was during one, I used to, um, there is a professional body. It's, I'm not active in it now, but it was the Romance Writers of America and they would have, uh, yearly conferences. And one of their conferences was in Atlanta. And, um, when I went to that, there was, uh, like a, uh, field trip you could do to the Margaret Mitchell house. Um, and so we did that. I think, um, because I published with Avon through HarperCollins, they had like a special event to go and do a tour of the Margaret Mitchell house. And that was, that was fun and interesting. So what I'm going to say about it though is, um, I found like a kind of a summary about it from The Guardian because I do think that it is helpful to have some contextualization about like the overall premise of Gone with the Wind. Okay. Wait though. Can I ask so one d- question? Yeah. Go for it. Visiting the house of a writer doesn't seem interesting to me. No offense to writers, but like what made that compelling? It's not like going to Elvis's house. Like 
was there something I would be going to Elvis's house be more compelling to you because I well I guess I felt like they would have like decked it out with Elvis memorabilia I guess in my mind so what is it like I suppose is it made to look like Gone with the Wind what was compelling about going to her house um, I think what's so I've been to a few writer houses and I do find them to be kind of interesting just because I guess I have a professional interest in authors and like history. Um, I would say that the 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 place itself, I mean, it was just kind of like more of like the house and like, yes, if you're like a big fan of the of the book, that's cool. Um, there was like historical memorabilia to do with like around the publishing of the book. I mean, it is a big classic. It's like, at, again, here we're talking about something that has like inherent problems with it. I would say that the writer in her time was trying to grapple with some of it thoughtfully. I think we've really moved past that too, to like, you know, we're, this is still a white woman telling the story of the South, even though maybe they're trying to put some spins on it that were considered to be slightly more progressive at the time. And I think you can contextualize it like that. Again, we're three white women discussing this book. So the book still deals with the Civil War. It still deals with slavery. It still has major characters in the book who are played in various, who are written in various degrees of stereotyping of like black people. But that all being said, like, I think it was just kind of an interesting, like, basically, it, the gathering that we went to was, like, that and. Like, there was, like, a writer's kind of, like, gathering with, like, authors talking about their books. And, like, you know, it was kind of like an event that was held. It happened to be held at this house that is a museum, too. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. But, I mean, like, I don't know. I went to, like, Stratford-upon-Avon to see, like, Shakespeare's house. That seemed legit. I would definitely go to Chawton Cottage and see Jane Austen's house. Like, I definitely would go see writers' houses. I guess that makes sense. Like, the place where they kind of gathered their thoughts and spent their time and wrote these masterpieces. I mean, I, I, yeah, Just that makes more like, sense now that I'm yeah. thinking about it. I get it. Um, But I did want to contextualize a little bit, like, some of the parts of the story. Um, I found an article from The Guardian that uh, from a couple years ago that kind of revisited it. So I just want to like throw in some of the things that I think make that have good tie in to what we're going to be talking about today. So Gone with the Wind, and this is a direct quote from the article. The article is called Books to Give You Hope, Gone with the Wind by Margaret Mitchell. Again, this is by Holly Watt from 2016. Look, I'm going to say, I don't know, if, hope for who, whose story are you telling, who are you centering all those disclaimers onto it. But we're talking about retellings. So Gone with the Wind is a story about the Civil War, starvation, rape, murder, heartbreak, and slavery. It's not necessarily a book one would associate with hope, yet at the novel's heart lies Scarlett O'Hara, one of the most ruthlessly optimistic characters in literature. This is true. And so... Um, I would say that, like, I'm just going to pull out a couple of things that they say. So at the beginning of the movie and at the book, Scarlett has this kind of, like, headstrong hopefulness. And, like, society is collapsing around her as she knows it. She's, like, a product of the Deep South. She's a product of white plantation culture. Um, the southern states are moving to, like, you know, move into the period of civil war. And she's kind of like, yeah, yeah, like, whatevs. I'm, like, I'm into, like boys and being cute and being loved and like romance and like this is all happening and I kind of don't give a shit it's kind of like how the beginning of like Gone with the Wind like centers with her like everything beyond like her immediate interest which is like her huge crush on um 
you know, an unattainable boy. That's kind of like where she's at. Um, and she ends up crossing paths with um, kind of a a controversial character who kind of can mold themselves to different uh, different. They adapt to the way the winds are blowing in different ways, even though they have um, some sort of a moral compass. And so I would say that at the end of the day, Gone with the Wind really is, I think, at its heart, a story of um, of like two people who are survivors and they're going to get through whatever it's going to take. Like if there was a zombie apocalypse, they're not going to be like, oh no they're gonna like fucking figure it out and they're gonna get through it whatever it's gonna take and even if society judges them they're not they're gonna figure out how to do business and keep going and so i think like the kind of like the thing is is that scarlet starts off very pampered very spoiled and through like a series of like humongous upheavals always figures out a way to feed and clothe the people that matter around her um make choices that are often gray morally to get by, but her whole goal always is to survive. Um, and Rhett Butler, who's like the iconic hero recognizes a like soul in that essentially to be like, here's somebody who is like scrappy AF and they may look all cute and be in their big ball gown and be like, hee hee who me. But like at their heart, they're like going to like shake someone if they need to. And that's the attraction. And I think we can see some loose parallels to that, to the main couple in this. Um, Like they are different, but there's like some fundamental core things. And we'll talk a little bit more about like the retelling, what I thought was interesting, what they pulled and what they didn't. They didn't do like a strict character study, but I think they took the spirit of the characters and put them into My Dearest. Um, Okay, so we, okay, actually, here's one other thing is, so when there is a retelling, I think it's interesting. And it's interesting because, you know, you have a core story that's very popular and well-known, and then people want to, like, play around and explore with it and do other things. Is there any kind of retelling that, like, you can think of that, like, jumps to mind that you know about that we could discuss? Maybe one that you think is good or one that you think, like, didn't work so well? Um, I, I do like retellings as long as they are they feel a lot different than the original. Like, I think my favorite retellings are when they're more like a twist or they're more like inspired by um, or something like that. I will say I love the Willy Wonka remake, which wasn't that much different, but yet I freaking loved it. And I, but yet I still appreciated the original. Um, Yeah. And I think there also needs to be like a time span. I don't want, retell and i also don't want retelling after retelling after retelling of the same story um so is that really true though why because i was gonna say like beauty and the beast that retelling happens over and over and over and i could have that story retold to me in every different format forever and probably never get sick yeah actually you're right you know what i could so maybe there are certain stories that you can take like the core which is the core of beauty and the beast and retell it over and over again and i would yeah i mean retellings do get me they they do as long as they like i like it if they feel like a classic that you're going to retell and they also have to still feel unique how about you becky i so i will say i ha- there have been plenty of retellings that i have enjoyed i actually like just the straightforward you brought up Beauty and the Beast, just going from Disney to live action, not not even mentioning all the other versions of Beauty and the Beast we have. But broadly speaking, 
My preference would be that the world didn't do retellings only because I feel like there are so many writers telling such interesting stories that could be told visually that I I find it almost disappointing to see the same tor- stories told over and over when I'm like, but there's millions of other stories to be told. Let's tell some of those and have a good time and get creative with those. I understand why people like retelling them and, and go to the core of things, but my my main preference would probably be to tell new stories. I just happen to find new things more exciting. I also like it when it's a bit derivative, like Little Women comes to mind and the Korean remake there and where it was really more of an inspiration from the original, where there was similarities in character and the main themes were similar, but basically they, they were not telling the story of Little Women. They they were just broadly inspired by the characters and the main plot not even plot points, but just the main themes that were being addressed, like um, social class and power. I like that because then you have a little bit of a reference for whether or not you want to watch it, but you're not the whole time outside the story thinking, did they match what I thought they were going to do or did they deviate? To me, that pulls me out of the story and I want to be in the story the entire time. Hmm. Um, Yeah. I mean, Little Women is like a good version to me of like something that I think like it's fun that there is like retelling elements. It's not a point plot by plot. So maybe that's where like some of this might be getting a little bit confused of like what is what are we talking about when we talk about retellings? Cuz to me like what I would think about is a very successful retelling. It's dated now, but clueless to me is like a very successful retelling because mm. it's um it's taking the story of Emma by Jane Austen, putting a contemporary twist onto it, and you're not doing exactly plot beat by plot beat, but you're doing quite a lot of mirroring between the two stories and you're and to me what I enjoy about it is Jane Austen wrote contemporary romance. And so it's fun to see that get like kind of revisited in at the time of like the late 90s, again, being in like a contemporary setting. And the fact that the story holds and is fun and has kind of like a core convention. um, I think that's a really good one. Um, I've also liked stuff like more literary style, like um, there's like A Thousand Acres, who um, that was Jane Smiley. She, um, I think she won the Pulitzer Prize for that. But um, it was a retelling of King Lear. And um, and there's a lot. I mean, there is a lot of Shakespeare retelling, mm-hmm. right? And I think that that can be fun, too, because there's, like, Easter eggs. So I guess for me, I do like a retelling. I actually posit that many stories – there's very few stories that are wholly unique and new in this world. And I think that we all kind of tell often our versions of similar stories over and over and over. And so in some ways that um, – that can tie into retellings here. And so in this, I will say that having seen and be, and I am very familiar with Gone with the Wind, the first season has a lot of connecting points where you could be like, ah, that happened. Like if you went back, if you watched Gone with the Wind, you'd be like, oh, I can see what they were doing a lot of the time. In the back half, completely different story. Okay, so we already touched on this a little bit, but Becky watched this this drama. You binged it, and then you watched it live. Mm-hmm. We binged the entire time. So without getting into spoilers here, how do we think that could have impacted our enjoyment in watching? It's hard to talk about that without getting into spoilers. I will just say it is such an emotional drama that does such a good job at creating tension over and over that... Watching it, I I 
enjoyed, I think, the binging part more. And by the time, and a lot of the tension is in the second half, more of it is in the second half. Waiting a week was really difficult. I was like, I just need to know what happens next. Mm -hmm. And so I had to hold all that angst for like a whole week. Some of that I enjoy and some of that I don't. And this one was so intense that I was just like, I kind of wish I had binged this. I feel like it would have been a little bit Mm. easier in a way. But I don't know. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. How about you, Megan? I loved being able to binge the first season. Uh, So the first like 12 episodes, I like loved being able to binge. And then uh, towards like the end of the second season or towards like the end of the drama, I was like, I this isn't I think binging isn't great right now. But then I think if I was watching it week to week, I might not have picked it up again because I was like, I under like I agree. Well, we'll get into it. But I was more frustrated than anxious. So I, th- I feel like I might have just been like, Ugh, like, I'm, okay, I'm thinking, I think I'm done. Were the episodes, I don't know. I don't know. Were the episodes so intense that you felt like you just needed a break when you were getting closer to the end? Is that why? Where it's like, oh, I don't know. Like, this no. has been. No. no. Okay. I was like frustrated and it. irritated. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. People are already like, I'm turning off this podcast. Yeah, it might be now. <laughs> like, this yeah, might be the get- moment. Well, you know what? Here's the thing is everyone is allowed to like what they like. Yeah. We will talk. I think that um, some of the things that we liked about the drama, I think are pretty universal. Yeah. And and there's going to be things that we did not like about the drama where some people were okay with it, some aren't, but that's going to be in the spoiler section. So you're going to have to hang on for that. Okay. Um, I think for me, I was really happy to binge the beginning. I, I was inhaling it like... Yeah, I started to move into, like, crack-watching mentality, and it's, you know, mm-hmm. every once in a while I can get into that, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I can power, like, five episodes and like, a sitting when that happens. I was doing the same thing, and I was, like, yeah. screaming in your di- DMs for, like, the first the first yeah. season, just, like, first se- unleashing. First season, 10 out of 10. Yeah, 10, 10 out, out of 10. 10. 10 out no 10. notes. Um, by the end, I think I would have maybe been a little bit more successful with, I mean, it would have been very painful and I would have been frustrated, like, oh, I want to know what happens. But I'm wondering if I could have breathed a little bit in between every episode if some of the things that bothered me in the end, and I'm talking like the very end, like the final four episodes. I mean, I'm just going to name it right now just to clear the air before and we'll talk about it in the spoilers. I feel like I started to turn into something I did not expect, which was, um, I think I watched the end. I would almost say I hate watched the end. I'm going to say those words. I did. Yeah. <laughs> what she, what did you say? I did too. She said I did. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, I did. Yeah. I, I did. I, and so for me, I'd say around episode 17 is where I started to like have some like trust lost. And I think <laughs> I went to the final, like I held on, but 19, 20 and 21, I for sure wasn't watching from a place of calm kindness. I was just like getting more and more angry. <laughs> Not a place of Zen. <laughs> no, no Zen. No Zen. Whereas if I had no once zen. a week, I don't know, maybe I would have been like, whew, okay, like, get it together whereas like i just watched it in like one couch sitting and was just like holy shit yeah by the time the last episode came out i was like "Mm, no thanks i waited days i was actually messaging people you know throughout the end and i was like i don't even Mm -hmm. want i want to watch it i'm gonna watch it but i also don't like i just don't know if i can i almost did too i almost was like maybe i just want to leave it 
with the beautiful possibilities. Yeah, yeah. I considered it. Yeah. No, it was commitment that got me through that last episode. Okay. So these are two fun ones because, look, we let – this is going to be – this is going to be a show that, you know, there's things that we liked. If you love this drama, there's things that we all liked or that at least some of us liked. Yeah. And then, unfortunately, there's going to be things we didn't like. If you thought this whole thing was perfect from start to finish, you are allowed to have that thought. We will not be holding that same opinion. Yeah. But that doesn't have any judgment on you as a person. Mm -mm. (laughs) So, okay. So, Min Nam-kun. Is he your forever hero? This is mostly for Becky. He's the new (laughs) love of my life. (laughs) The new love of my life. (laughs) So, talk us through that. Gong Yoo-hoo. Kim Woo-bin. Never heard of him. Park (laughs) Se-jun. I have no idea who you're talking about. I I don't know anyone but him. He's all I care about. (laughs) I've watched only his dramas since this ended. <laughs> I, he's all I look like on Insta- at on Instagram. I'm all in. He's rough 40-something years old. He 45. Is, uh, yeah, he's a yes. He's a hundred. A hundred thousand yeses. Both him, the actor, and also the hero in this drama. I am a yes on top of a yes on top of a yes. Yes. Yeah. So he's my, I mean, he really is my kind of hero. I was really pleased. I love that like snarky hero. I love uh, he like colors outside the lines. You know, his moral compass is both is gray, but also not like he he clearly knew exactly what he was like willing to do. Um, and I, I found this like fan that I had bought a while. So he always carries around this like fan and fans himself and i bought this fan a while ago at um the dollar store and i forget there's like a reason now i forget so i've been like practicing like the that thing <laughs> are you walking around your house with the fan yeah <laughs> could you could you i hope the listeners could hear when i like my like little fan um anyway i love i mean i just he was he was fantastic and what's great too is he doesn't he had this like he had like kind of two different smiles so he kind of had the like snarky like i know more than you smile but then and that was like in every episode but then when he showed his like real smile like when uh gilche made him like laugh or something or and he showed his true smile i was like like my heart would flutter truly Uh He did so yes. much with his eyes, so much with his face. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Mm. He was great at action scenes, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And very sexy. He was, like, very – there's just – the full range, basically. He did it all. Yeah, I think what's fun about him is, like, you know, there's a type of character that, you know, uh, a man can play. And I think – so he was very good at playing roles. And so one of the roles he played really well was kind of like a fop. Where he would like have like a Korean fop, like a Joseon fop, where he had the fan and he was kind of like seemed a little bit like he wasn't going to be able to get his hands dirty. He was like sometimes mm. he would just come across kind of like a little bit like hapless. Like it was a really good way to um, disarm people and get them to underestimate him. Yeah. Because also he could have fights where he could take down, I don't even know, like what, 85 people alone and he was just fine. And we were also never told how he got the, like how <laughs> Who cares? he learn these skills. <laughs> Who cares? Does yeah. not matter. No, it doesn't matter. He, doesn't. I mean, heart flutter is perfect. This has been a time of, um, you know, I want to give the shout out that we've had some great 40 
plus year old men to like swoon on uh having come off past lives this year too mm. where the character of um hey sung was <sighs> pretty amazing as well. tall you yeah tall you is just like Love so him. i mean i was kind of like coming off of that like overwhelm mm. and then moving over here was just like dang and here I like I like that he had a humor to him and I really really I think more than anything and again more for to come for the spoiler section is what made him work so well as a romantic hero is that he didn't fall in love with the idea of the female lead he fell in love with the female lead I love and that, that is like mm-hmm. intoxicating a magical thing of romance and mm-hmm. that's what yeah he just fell in love with somebody who was like he saw all the mess and was mm-hmm. like, yes. <laughs> he saw her at her worst, like, every time. Like, every time he saw her, she was at her worst. And he saw everything and and loved who she was. Yeah, and he even, it wasn't even like he just accepted those parts of her. He loved her mm-hmm. for those parts. Like, yes. it was beyond right. just like, sure, you are you can be human. You're allowed to have flaws. Yes. It was like... No, I like these flaws. Like, this is what draws me to you. You're unique yeah. and powerful and interesting and fun. Like, he he was mm-hmm. all in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, like, the parts of her that were, like, vain or shallow or manipulative, he was like, yeah, that's hot. Yeah, hot. he liked it all. Yeah. Everything she did, he liked. <laughs> I mean, could you ask okay. for anything else? So, no, yeah. you cannot. Um, and I mean, this is the thing is that like at the beginning, was this enemies to lovers? I mean, I'm going to say, yeah, kind of. I mean, like he wasn't hurt. He never viewed her as an enemy, but she kind of did like they were antagonists. You know, they weren't deeply social put together. But like when she would see him, she'd be like, "Ugh!" like it wasn't he got her goat. Mm-hmm. And I think like, again, like it's that reminder of like what makes quality enemies to lovers. And I mean, again, like we're using enemies to lovers as a trope very, 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 very loosely. Um, but that's okay. Um, but it's the idea that like somebody sees you at your absolute worst and still loves you is like what makes enemies to lovers. I think so popular is everyone has that like, you know, unmet need. Most people do. And so, yeah, Mm -hmm. it's hot. Okay. So on on Jin, how do you rate her performance? Have you enjoyed her in other dramas? And Megan, did you know she was in Strangers from Hell? No. What was she in that? I don't know, but I looked up her list and she was in Strangers from Hell. I mean, I'll rewatch, I guess. So I I want to, I'd actually really, really want to talk about her. So as I feel like they're like, like Becky and most of the people who watch this drama were just like, yeah, Nam, Nam Goon Min. Like he got me. He got me. An Eun Jin she got me like i she's the one who made me cry she's the one i was rooting for i i would lay down my life for her i mean truly loved her performance loved her character so many things she did i would just find myself like just weeping i didn't even realize i was crying all of a sudden i'd be like oh my god my face is wet and i'm just like weeping for her and her courage and what she had to do and how she reacted to things like the script of her character was amazing. And then she was amazing playing it. And if she is not nominated for something, I'm flying to Korea to protest. I'll protest outside her agency. Like someone give her a freaking trophy because 
I I loved her and I'd only seen her. I guess I saw her in Strangers from Hell, but I don't remember. She must have had a small part. Um, and obviously I remember her from uh, Hospital Playlist. And I loved her in Hospital Playlist, but she was also kind of, you know, choo-choo. Like she was, you know what I mean? And then so her showing her range in this and, and it also she was stunningly beautiful in like everything even when she was like filthy and bloody i didn't even know recognize her from hospital playlist until it was over i had watched the entire thing and oh I, really somebody mentioned it online and i was like wait what and i looked it up and i was like oh my god at no point did that ki- did choo-choo cross my mind once but i looked totally her up, different so different i looked it yeah. up and i was like oh obviously but never. It it never I was so in I was all into her as a character. I absolutely agree yeah. with you. She was such a powerhouse and I feel like every character around her was like you make it was just like I would die for you. Like once she was <laughs> she would die for them. Like they, it was just everything she was all in. She was such an authentic person who just went hard for everyone she cared about and they felt it. The loyalty was there. I love her. Yeah, uh, her her best friend Unhei, uh, played by Ida In. I also freaking loved her. <laughs> I love that character. I love that actress. Uh, I yeah. I mean, basically all, all, all. I mean, gosh, this cast was incredible. So I did yes. not like her friends. I thought they were acted well, but the characters themselves, oh. Unhei, and ultimately, I don't remember his name. Those two characters were not my favorite, um, who she ended up with. I don't, we're not in the spoiler. I like Une a lot. So, okay, they were both, if you've watched Gone with the Wind, the, the characters are talking about play the representation of Melanie and Ashley, who, um, like, that was their function in the story, is because those are, like, major characters in Gone with the Wind. Yeah. And so, basically, she put in a Melanie. Melanie is... Um, basically just goodness personified that's the role of melanie and because it was supposed to be the it's supposed to be the foil to scarlet who will get their hands dirty and do things so melanie does show quiet strength and a willingness to to go outside those realms later and i think we kind of see that in this drama too like mm-hmm. there are times where she makes choices where she's not always going to stand by her man or do what's expected but that is very much like it's pretty much almost exactly a melanie archetype and then um the other, I just blanked on the name. Young June. It's in my <laughs> my name yes. here on our recording device is Boring Young June because I didn't know I didn't know about Ashley from Gone with the Wind, and I messaged Leah uh, while I was watching season one, and I was like, "Look, I'm sorry, but this Young June guy is painfully boring, bland." dull and a wet blanket like what does she see in him and you were like well he's based off of ashley i was like oh he's the worst so the whole part of ashley and why ashley sucks and why he is like perfect for like they really wrote this role this is where i'm saying like even if you didn't like it like they did it really well in embodying the spirit the whole point of ashley and gone with the wind is ashley represents the old south like the the fantasy white plantation gentility of the south Mm -hmm. and that's kind of what he is and he also kind of represents like the nostalgia of like that pre-war time and so you can see with the scholar and how like the plot goes among like where like the the heart of 
of the country should be and kind of like where he's caught up in that. Like that's where they were trying to take that. That's kind of why he sucks so bad is basically <laughs> because they were trying to make right. him Ashley who just kind of sucks the yeah. whole time. Yeah. Young June sucks. Sorry. I, I don't, I don't think many people probably liked him. Well, they succeeded at making him suck. That I mean, good job. Yeah. He sucks. All the way yeah. Through. I mean, he's just kind of like a weakling. Honestly, he's a weakling. The thing is, is that gone with the wind problematic everything aside is at its core and this is what the retelling really was striving to do in so many ways and we'll talk about how well we think it got there is the men in doing all their manly choices and their like toxic masculinity just make a fucking mess of everything and women have to figure out how to survive Mm -hmm. and we'll talk about that pretty soon so before we do why don't we get into our k-pop wreck of the week megan i just want to give you a shout out to talk about the fact that you had a really cool album experience today yeah so uh, so this is kind of a k-pop story of the week instead um <laughs> last uh or i did recently recommend one of the songs off ATZ's new album uh i for our you know k-pop wreck of the week so i'm not going to recommend another one even though i could but I had ordered albums and I got the albums in the mail today. And I was, you know, I always love a good album unboxing. Um, so I opened them up and I was like, wait a minute. These are signed. <laughs> I was like, I did not order signed albums. Like I looked at my like receipt. Nowhere on there does it say they're signed albums. But these albums are signed. Um, and they are signed by San, who, I mean, who doesn't love San? Like, he's arguably the most popular member. I'll show, uh, Becky. I know that that's the signature. So San means, San means mountain. So he signs with these, like, double mountains. Um, so it was kind of hard to, I wasn't sure. Like, I was actually like, because it's like sloppy, obviously. They're signing, like, probably a million things. And there's a, a, a K-pop a group that I'm in on Facebook and so I like posted the pictures I was like can anyone help me because like these the people in this group like they're fantastic and I was like I think this is San and everyone was like yes San 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 like everyone's like those are that's exactly his signature and I was like oh my god I can't believe it so all three albums are signed by him and I'm like how did I get these that's like amazing. I'm still baffled yes yeah, so are the universe was like you are a good 18 yeah and and like they're not they're not fake only because i don't think (laughs) no they're not fake they're not fake because i also didn't it's not like i thought i was ordering them and i and i ordered them from like a a, like a reputable site and everything so i don't know what happened i don't care it's my first signed albums every single time ats has posted signed albums i'm i'm never there in time they sell out Mm. right away and i kind of just resigned myself to never getting them and i was like that's okay like i don't need signed albums um i do have like zyker's signed albums which is the other group in um ats's like entertainment company but I didn't have signed ATs. So now I do, and they're San, and I'm... I mean, it's... Yeah, I mean, super so San is not my ATs bias, but San, I mean... San's just, he's, he, even if he's not your bias, he's, no. like, your favorite, I he's feel like. He's just, he's, he's, he's just delicious. real, real cute. Yeah, he's cute, he's great, he's good, he's, like... He's soft, like that, like, I love, oh, yeah. I love a, he's a himbo, and I am oh, re- yeah. really into himbos. Oh, he's the, he's so great. He's so great. So I'm really stoked about it. So that's my, 
just it was just very joyful today and i was really really excited and i like posted in our slack channel i was like guys oh my god so anyway that's my story and so yeah if you check out at's latest album let me know um i have to post a picture of the albums on our instagram i'll do that then so yeah mm. and post a picture of son so people can know i will <laughs> i know i will i got some about. of his photo cards so i'll have to post some with him so if you enjoy our podcast you have our patrons to thank, at least in part. Afternoon of Delight Patreon allows us to keep creating content for y'all to enjoy. Thank you so much to everyone who is supporting us there. And not to brag, but our Patreon community is pretty awesome. And you can join at a tier that feels good to you. Gain access to fun perks like K-drama posts, monthly Patreon-only bonus podcasts, and even a live K-drama support group on Zoom because we know firsthand what it's like to have no one to talk to about those crazy plot twists, amazing characters, and all those feelings. And look, no one should have to walk that walk alone. So learn more by visiting afternoonadelight.com. That's www.afternoonadelight.com. And hey, while you're on the website, you can check out Afternoon Delight podcast merch, find links to book recommendations, bop along to our K-pop recs, Blow up your skin with K Mertrex. Find all of our social media and a link to our email so you can send us recommendations or feedback. And hey, while you're at it, why don't you pop over to Spotify or Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review? It really helps with our discoverability. Gamsamnida. All right. Well, now we are moving into the spoiler section. This means we will be talking about all the things in the in the drama that we loved, hated, and everywhere in between. <laughs> yeah. So if you would like to stick around for that, because you're trying to decide if you want to watch it or not, I don't know if this is going to sell you <laughs> to watch it. We'll see. I mean, you know what? You're all adults. You choose to do with this what you will. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> all I wrote here was, okay, how did you really feel about the drama? <laughs> <laughs> Becky, wants you go? I will say I absolutely loved the beginning of this drama. I loved being interest, introduced to Nam Kunman. Like, thank you, universe. I watch. I, I mean, I'm obsessed, truly. And by the end of it, I honestly felt relief. I was like, I'm glad this is over. I want to be done now. Um, <laughs> that is how I felt. I I liked it a lot. I really did. I liked it a lot. There was so much to love all the way through, and it was just exhausting for me. I felt like at some point the writer had a separation kink where her goal was to keep them separate rather than a plot and story that I could follow that made sense to me. I I started thinking, how will she how will this writer keep them separate this week? And that was true to the end, and I found that by the time I'm thinking about what the writer's doing, the story has failed me. I should be mm, thinking about that point. after, not during. Mm. Yeah. That's a good point. So the first season or the first, I would say episode like one through 12 were truly incredible in my opinion. Like I'm talking like, like, like Leah said, no notes. Um, I cried many times. I, Gil Che's journey 
that that's the thing. I felt like the first the first season or the first like twelve episodes were a were I felt like I was seeing things through her eyes. So I felt like I was on the journey with Gilche. I wasn't thinking about the writing. I wasn't really thinking of anything else but her and the romance. But her. Like it felt like a really amazing like women's fiction story. To see her come into her own, to to see her step into a leadership role, um, so many times, to the to see her withstand harsh comments and whispers and uh, everything, I was like, this is this is absolutely incredible. Like maybe I will watch Gone with the Wind, <laughs> you know, like maybe I will pick it back up because this this is amazing. Um, I just want to say there's one particular scene where. Uh, they're on um, an island that's been invaded by the the barbarians. I'm not going to get like all into the backstory of my dear. I mean, if I explained everything about my dearest, yeah. we're going to be here forever. But she, we're in the spoiler section. We don't need to explain. Yeah. So, but you know, she's on an island, and she the barbarians have invaded the the island. I hated that they just called them the bar- the barbarians the whole time, but you know that's what they thought they were at that time. Um, she needs to get off the island with her friend. So it's, she's with Unhei, she's with her, um, servant, Jong Jong, Jong Jong, and then, um, Bong Junae, which is, was Unhei's servant. And then, uh, Junae had just given, like, birth to a baby. And she knows she can't get on that boat because the boat is reserved for the, um, the heir to the throne, which was like a little baby. Or I guess the second heir. The crown prince's son. Yeah. And she's just so smart. And Gilche's like, I, I'm going to, I'm going to, like, she sees the, uh, the Korean guard, like, running away from the barbarians with this, with this baby. And she's like, I can get on the boat if I get that baby. And uh, so when the soldiers are shot down, she like risks her life. She runs, she grabs the baby. So she's not only saving like the crown prince's son, but she's like, this is how I'm going to get my friends on this boat. I think that was more what she was thinking about. But the point is, she did it. She saved that baby and she got her friends on that freaking boat. And the slow-mo of her holding this baby and running in those terrible shoes that I don't know how anyone can run in. I always think about that, the shoes they wear. I'm like, no one can run in those things. <laughs> um, and she's in sand. <laughs> I can't even run on the sand and bare feet. But she's like sprinting, holding this baby. And her friends are like, it, it's everything's, I mean, I'm, I was weeping at her like courage. And um, all she'd been through to get to that point, she had like birthed Dune's baby with her bare hands. Like, I mean, the way she stepped up to essentially, like, she took the leadership role. She's like, I will feed and clothe my family. Like, I will take care of them. Um, she made so many decisions that, to me, felt true to her character. Um, there was a decision where she was going to, um, she was going to run away with Jong, with Lee Jong-hyun, which, which was Nam Kun Min, the, the lead of the, the drama, she was going to run away with him. At the last minute, she realizes that she can't because she has responsibilities for her family and her father. And uh, so despite what her desires were, uh, she fulfilled her duties and married another man. And I rem- I remember I messaged Leah and I was like, dude, that is so true to character. That 
decision. Like, I'm so glad that was the decision they had her make in that moment. Because even I felt uneasy. I'm like, honey, maybe don't run away with him. <laughs> maybe don't get on the boat with him. Like, even, even though my romance heart wanted me to, I didn't want that for her. I didn't really want her to be like on the run, you know, with <laughs> And so, uh, yeah, I just, I, I absolutely loved the beginning. And I would say I loved it up to the point. I would say the, I just want to say the point the drama took a turn for me was when she was in the seller's market or whatever. Uh, and she was on that platform and she's like about to be sold and they're, you know, denigrating her and things. And he, he, uh, Jong Hyun finds her, which you're like, yay, finally, you know, he found her there. This is the, he's She's going to be saved. And he steps up onto the block and he's like, why are you here? And, it, and he yells at her. He's like, way, way. And I was like, <laughs> I mean, I'm like hyperventilating watching it. And then he gets knocked out. You know, like the the like whatever slave trader guy uh, knocks him out. And that was the point. <laughs> From then on, where the drama just started to, like, go a little downhill for me. And I guess we can explain that later. But well, that was okay. kind of... Here's my question. Is yeah. because you felt like there was... That felt like an unnatural separation at that point? Well, yeah. I was like, why did he... Like, why are we not... Yeah, I wanted, like, a better reunion. And then, yes. Then it started to feel like we were separating them unnaturally. Because that was the point where... The um, the other uh, the what was it the Ming or the Jin Dynasty? The What's Qing? the the barbarian princess or whatever? The Qing. I think that's the Qing. Dynasty. The Qing. See, I'm like I don't even know because that's this is when all the politics started to come in, and I, that's basically when I was like, mm. but yeah, so that's when the princess came in. That's when they were separated again, and then that's when like the constant separation started, like Becky said, and when I kind of started to be out. So for me, I think what is pretty just like the simplest way to describe where yeah, it for me it went off was we went off, we went off the beats. We started missing beats, or I felt like. I'm wondering if the show became a little bit of a victim of its own success to some degree. This is just like me, like wondering because they put in, they decided to, it was do it's very, it was very, very, very popular. And so then they were like, we're going to put in another episode. So that like, you're already like, they're writing it as they went to, which is also, I had assumed it was pre shot. It, it was being written, which that's that's a hard road anyway i can't i could never i could never to me it just became like okay the writer is like either going through like anxiety or a victim of their own success or putting in these extra episodes is going to like threw them off like a plot like something like something's happened we've gone off beats Mm -hmm. and they fit in little moments, but never to where. So one thing we didn't really get at all in the back half once they, we never had a time where they kind of had just a minute and we had fun and games and they just were like, we had little tiny moments. Like they had a little happiness for an episode and had a little bit of sex and had a little bit of like, Oh, this is good. But that was like pretty late. Like there wasn't kind of like a time where it was like, 
where if you were watching a drama, they're going to like go to the claw machine and just have a second. And I understand that like the world was burning around them, but we still needed to have some of that to pay to be able to grapple with the fact that we were just being separated, 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 separated. Like there needed to be a couple more minutes to breathe and be invested in the romance because at the beginning, I believed fully, like he's seeing this person, he's interacting with them, he's seeing all their faults and finds it really charming and falls in love with her despite himself. But in the back half, it was like, you're just almost like holding on to this idea of each other because you actually can't be around each other ever. And as soon as like, you're like, oh, look, something might happen. Then like the princess shows up and is like, that's my man. And you're just like, fuck, like, I know, go away, princess. Like, God. I just want a second to have the romance. Just a right. second. Because you sold me on a promise of a romance. For the first so 10 episodes. The ro- I mean, the whole thing, my dear, like, the whole thing is set up to be the romance. And so I, once we started to really, like, lose those romantic beats. Right. Is where I started to be like, I don't know where this is going I can, t- and I, I can, I have more patience for intrigue and like historical plot points and. Oh my God. <laughs> like, Me too. I like it. When they were like, I, we I, have to mix, mill it with the rice. I was like, I'm fucking out. I can't, I can't listen to these discussions. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I think I was more just, yeah, I needed, I needed more with the romance. So I want to talk about two other things. So there's, I'll, I'll name what the two points are that I want to discuss. And this is, these are the reasons why I'm grumpy besides the fact that I felt like the romance became, we lost like those beats. The two other points I want to talk about for this podcast are, I want to talk about how I feel like in the end to me, we really let the women down in this, not just down socially. I mean, that was the point of the drama was that the world had let them down, but I felt like we let them down in that like their story, they stopped being centered in the plot. And I think to the story's detriment and the second discussion point I would like to have. So you could, you can choose um, is uh, the, the amnesia and the double use of amnesia. No, we're going to talk about both of them. Let's go. Yes. So which one would you like to discuss first? Um, <laughs> Let's talk about the women first, because it, it'll be fun as a counterpoint to talk about how amazing they were in the beginning. I mean, these are just yes. extraordinary women who are. Yes. And it was so their resilient. story. It was. Yeah. Right. For the first, didn't you feel like I'm I, the story? This mm-hmm. is their story when they're like melting down coins to make brass bowls. I was like, fuck yeah. Like I'm like cheering the whole time. Giving, like it's yep, their yeah. story. Giving birth in the wilderness. And then all of a sudden, yeah. yeah. The, joyless, the joyless, joyful house and the courtesans. Like, I just liked being in this world of women who were all trying to just survive under, like, the crushing, oppressive weight of absolute patriarchy, mm-hmm. where even your spouse who says that they love you is like, oh, you got touched on the shoulder by a barbarian? It would be best for all if you took your skirt, threw it over your head, and jumped off a cliff. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like fuck you, Yunjun. <laughs> fuck you. Fuck you. <laughs> and I mean, and so I liked it, and I liked that we had that much anger because I was like, yes, all of us need to continue to be fueled with the anger <laughs> towards, like you know, the patriarchy and how it shows up. But what I felt like 
was by the end, I lost a sense of like their agency and what they were doing. And I felt like instead it became really the story of like the King's weakness. And I was like, I got that. Like I didn't need, I didn't need as much to tell me that story. Like I, I understood the King was a craven wiener long before he had his son killed. (laughs) (laughs) And so, I mean, I got it and I felt like I was like, okay, I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. It, it, you don't have to go back to the women who are like trying to make their best go in the shit burger. Yeah. I mean, I got to the point where I, I messaged you and this was in the second season. Like I, okay, yes, there were threats of of you know rape and sexual assault in the first season, um, but I like understood it, and it was also a little less frequent. And then I felt like by the time season two, it was constant. Every single female was being threatened to be to be raped, and I was I was over it. Like I'm like, can we just have one scene where someone's not? There's no, there, there isn't the threat of sexual assault right now. Like I need a break from sexual assault. That's what I need a break from. And then, and and that's the thing. It started to feel gratuitous, and it didn't feel purposeful anymore. And then I started to get the ick. And once I get the ick, I can't really like come back from the ick. Especially when um this poor woman carried around her baby that had been shot with an arrow. So you have this like bundle in her arms with this bloody arrow and her dead baby and i'm like really this is what we're doing now that was basically the point where i was like this jumped the shark i think someone (laughs) in the patreon described it or knew someone who described it as sadistic and it's close it gets close at the end i I mean it does yeah it's a lot and this is where i think what where the ick is is i can bear watching terrible things and like kind of bearing witness and sitting in the uncomfortableness of it. If I feel like I trust, like, okay, I'm watching this story. I know horrible things happened. I know that we're kind of having a, like, they're not, they're not holding, like nobody's holding this up who like is creating the show to be like, and that's okay. It's meant to be like, this is really bad, but it started to just feel like, okay. Like, like when I understood like the King was a craven wiener, I understood that, women's chastity was being held at a level like i mean i guess i got that and i was like i get it and there were really powerful parts to me like when we had the scene where they like had escaped essentially like the slave markets and sexual slavery and all of that and there were there were women or no when they were running away from the barbarians and there were women who were choosing to end their lives before being taken Mm -hmm. and it was really shocking and it was really horrific to see that. And I think it was really important to watch that because people were, they were so indoctrinated in what it meant to like protect their family that like they, they just like went to their deaths because that was, and then the people who held on, there was even the one woman who like held on and then later was like, what did I hold on for? Like, what was this for? Because I even went back home and then nobody, like I was like shunned. And I thought that was all really powerful and intentional and like, Food for thought. Mm-hmm. I also thought like the idea of the fact that she was raped and 
And so it wasn't even like the threat of rape. Nobody touched her shoulder. Like she was sexually assaulted. We didn't see it on camera. Think fuck. Yeah. And you weren't sure for sure what happened. But later she just admits like, yes, I was. And like, I don't want to say a woman should be raped for the hero's development, but I felt like that's what not what it was. I felt like it could have been that, but I didn't feel like that's what the story was saying. So I'm trying to play the devil's advocate of where I thought they did some of it well. Was that I felt like her her confessing her rape did kind of ultimately show that like he was going to be fine with that. Like he had, you know, he saw her for what she was and didn't and understood that that was not a defining thing for her, but something that, you know, like it, it, it was grounded more of that, like modern idea of like how we want to honor the survivor as a survivor, not as the victim. But I think for me, it was that like it got so imbalanced. So it wasn't that I minded having all of it. Like I could almost, I kind of could handle it. It was that we never got to see in the latter half, like a lot of like the sisterhood, the, the joy that did exist, the connections that they had, the ways that they were coping and surviving and thriving in a way that like, I was like, take, take half the King off the table. Let's lose some of the sexual assaults, like threat trauma. And let's just have some of this be like, I felt like it would have been more powerful to me to be like, okay, here's some horrible stuff. Now let's see where they're at rather than just being kind of like thrown at. Like I almost got desensitized and just kind of like discombobulated by all of it rather than like actually feeling like I was like, critically watching a story that was like taking me somewhere yeah i would say desensitized is a good word that's the way i felt too um and i started fast forwarding like through the king stuff like uh, even like so the the princess the crown prince's wife was poisoned and she died but then they needed to let us know that she suffered for three days. Like, they're like, well, we also need to show show that she suffered this, like, trauma for three days. I'm like, okay, we already know she died from poison. Like, thank you for also telling us how much she suffered. And it was, like, on top of kind of, like, all the trauma they're putting some of these characters through that I just started to be like, I can't, I, I mean, okay. And then, like, I think Becky said, too, the constant separation of the main leads, like I got to a point, like there, like there was a point where Ryong Um, let me just say, he was sensible. He was like the only one with a brain from other than Gilche for like not the only one, but I liked Ryong. Let me just say, I liked him. But when he was like, uh, "You're putting um, Jong Hyun through like a lot. Like maybe you really need to like go back to Joseon and like leave him alone." I was like, "Yeah, actually." You probably should at this point. I think you're ill-fated. <laughs> you should just go home <laughs> and leave this poor man alone. <laughs> um, and, and when I start to feel like that, when I start to feel like, oh, maybe they are better together or uh, maybe they are better apart. Like, that's not good. That's not good. And I didn't think like I didn't think that in the first season. I do want to just interrupt with one quibble, though, about the the princess mm -hmm. and like, you know, her death and her suffering. So that is actually a historical, like she's real to history. Right. I did and, know that. I guess. And yeah. And so like, I guess to me, like, again, that didn't feel like I understand. what happened to yeah. her was horrific. And so, right. you know, the King did truly like end up pretty much, you know, hating on the uh, son, all the things that happened there are pretty true. And then, yeah, the fact that 
she was basically there were rumors spread that she was trying to poison the king and he she was ordered to death by poisoning as treason and the poison actually from what i saw like was not an exact like was kind of designed to be a drawn out horrific right thing. a torture device yeah and then beyond that i believe that like in real life like it could have it could have been worse because i also think in real life um he ordered her elderly mother to be beaten to death Great. As well as her. Okay, um, so they could have. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying, like you know, so we're talking about like a pretty yeah difficult time in history, mm-hmm. and so um, yeah. No, I yeah. agree. I and I and I just want to say one thing, Mr. Sunshine. In contrast, I actually felt like, oh, I need to bear witness to this. Like to me, um, I didn't feel the gratuitousness of it. Um, of, of things that happened in Mr. Sunshine that I did with my dearest. Hmm. Um, so, so as far as like, did you think like with the ending, it focused more on, it focused less on kind of like Gilche, the women and focus more on like the political leanings and then. Um, yes, because it objectively did. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah so yeah yeah we, but i like, just yeah we saw like une be rejected by young jun for having a barbarian basically touch her shoulder yeah. and she is like she leaves and so it looks like gil che kind of sets up like some sort of like commune <laughs> like like there was like a place where you could go and kind of like live your life and mm-hmm. she kind of kept doing this throughout like the back end of the drama like like safe havens mm-hmm. and Rather than like a showing, because we also know that like once once we once we thought think that Jong Hyun is no longer with us and he is dead, mm-hmm. we just go into the scholars kind of grappling with like their with with their ways that they've manipulated Confucianism essentially to oh like God, the scholars do horrible things. But we lost complete, and so we were just kind of in their world and their land. And it's not that it wasn't important in the overall context of the drama. It's just at that point, the plot went all in there, as opposed to like, well, what's Gilche and Une up to in like this other space that they've like created and are like living through? And we don't see them again until the <laughs> till the moment Yeonjun is dangling from a noose. Right. Is when they come back after years and years and years apart, apparently. They come back while he's the within the 30 seconds they have to save him, which is fine. That's that's the coincidence of K-drama. Yeah. They cut him down, and he's just basically, like, at that point, so disgusted and disillusioned by everything. So all of a sudden, I'm like, so we just spent all this time so Yunjun could learn the lesson that this shit's hypocritical. Yeah. And then he could look at his wife who he had essentially been like, if you die, that would maybe be the best thing for like everyone. And he's going to have some tears. She's going to hug him. And then we have like some like small redemptive arc of him. I just kind of felt like, why are we centering him having learned this big lesson as opposed to having these women? And I mean, yeah. And it's not that I couldn't handle him even for like the conventions of K drama to like close off their B story and have some happiness there, I could have maybe dealt with it. But the plotting had just the pacing had gotten so weird in that back half, and we were spending so much time 
grappling with all the other points that we didn't get to like breathe around some of that and let Une and Gilche and some of the others have their agency in like those last four or five episodes. To me, I felt like in the princess too, who became like a, who was, I think mishandled in the plot. Um, I think her name was like Gakwa. Um, Are you talking about the, the, the evil, the Qing princess? The main yeah, one? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. She, even she like, was an agent of like chaos and controversy and then just kind of like fades out because like we're just done. Like it was just like all of a sudden the story that was all about the injustice of women and patriarchy. We just like lose all their stories to just focus on these people grappling with their hypocrisy. And then like one guy, Yunjun being like, Oh, this is really shitty. Yeah. It's like, well, nothing changed. So that didn't <laughs> do anything for me. Like, not, you know what I mean? Like, and yeah, that, and, like every time they would switch the scholars, I'm like, I don't want to be in this world. I don't want to be in the scholars world. I want to be with Scrappy Gilche, get back to her because that is what, that is the promise that you gave me in season one. And now you have ripped that premise from me and you're putting me in this castle torture chamber forever. You're putting me in discussions with the king. You're putting me in this scholar stuff. And I didn't want any of that. I didn't want any of it. Sorry, but I did it. Well, and then they tucked in that story near the end, too, of Jung Hyun's dad being the head scholar and that being a big reveal. Yes. And, like, fine, that could have been compelling in a shorter drama. Like, if the, the whole story had held a little better, it was surprising. But I just was not interested by that point. I was like, I don't okay, Yeah, I felt I don't like that, that just I, – I, 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 I liked that because it helped the characterization of Jong Hyun, but it happened at such the wrong time to me in the right. story. Like, I was like, that should have happened, like – episodes ago a quarter of the drama ago we yeah. should have found out that his motivation for why he's actually like fairly feminist is because he saw his own sister be subject to like basically being like coerced into ending her life yeah to keep the honor of the family so he made a conscious choice that he was going to not be a part of this system anymore yeah give that to us a long time ago not at the very very end when it was like well i mean i wanted to feel like a lot of emotion around i felt none i felt a little but not as much as i wanted to i cried so much uh in the first i would say 12 or 13 episodes i didn't cry at all at the end like none nothing what about the confession i will say the confession i lost my mind i was crying that's one of the best confessions i've ever seen in my life which confession? Where his confession um, to her, his confession, his lo- the the official love confession, and where she even yeah. s- Gilche says to him, "But what if I? I don't know how she words it, but like basically, what if I was raped?" And he's like, "Then yeah. I should hold you, basically, because you've been having a hard yeah. time." And it's I like, might have cried a little bit. I was all in at that much. point. Oh, I love. I oh, did love no. that. I will give that confession a I, lot of points. It was beautiful. It was a beautiful confession. And actually, on our Patreon, I asked. Um, folks kind of to give some of their general thoughts so i'm gonna throw in a couple of those right now yeah um and then we can talk about amnesia yes do we have to i just am laughing because i'm looking at a couple of the patreon comments and one is i'm so happy that nam kung min is 45 years old so happy (laughs) me too i know right oh my god we're just a bunch of middle-aged thirsty he is married though which we can still thirst good for him yeah does he have kids i don't know 
Um, oh, okay. Here's something one person brings up that I think is, uh, so, okay. One person does say, can we talk about the incredible confession scene? Truly what every person wants to hear from their partner. Yes. Yeah. That's a yes. 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 That yes, is yes, a hard yes. yes. Um, okay. Here's one thing that I do want us to just touch on to just acknowledge it happened because this pissed me off too. So somebody said in the Patreon, I didn't like that the one clearly gay or queer, you know, character was an adversary or set up to be intensely disliked as he was a barrier to the main relationship. That didn't feel fair. No, I mean, I never, yeah, yeah, I never (laughs) liked that. But see, I still liked him because I I agree. I was like, don't make him an adversary because yeah, all he's doing is he was not selfish and he wasn't he this is a thing though is maybe i didn't see him as an adversary because i saw him as just out of love he was doing what was what he thought was best for jang hyun he wasn't doing it out of selfishness for wanting jang hyun for himself i mean maybe a little bit but his main goal i think always was to keep jang hyun out of danger and so I actually never really, I never really disliked his actions. Um, and yeah, sometimes I was like, man, you're right. I feel like he became that. But early on, I felt like the first half of the drama, and I don't remember the specifics, yeah. but it was pretty self-serving. He was trying to get yes. in their way. He told lies to like basically confuse them and it wasn't for anyone's safety at that point you're right like halfway through the drama he became a lot more like i just want to save this person's life and this is not in anyone's best interest and he won me over by the end but for a good two-thirds of the drama i for sure hated him i i was like oh really i loved him the whole time i did i and he was also very pretty like what I need to see him and also I don't understand the ending of his story at all why he was in prison like I and by the time maybe they explained it I I so didn't care that I was like okay whatever guy in jail I don't know what this part I feel like they wrote they wrote this white-haired guy in a prison cell in episode one as you know like a prequel type not a prequel but you know prologue type thing and then they're like but they didn't actually know how they were gonna do it I felt (laughs) like it was I felt like at the end, I was almost positive it was him. I thought there could be a big surprise that it ended up being Jong Hyun. I was actually kind of, and I think we were meant to have that as like the red herring a little bit. Oh, I thought it might have been Gilche as like a, like posing as a man. <laughs> I know that's, well, I didn't know you were like the ending gets crazy. And I was like, okay, maybe that's Gilche. That's what I was thinking. But then, but I thought that like early on when I was just still guessing who that white haired man was. But then as we got towards the end, I was like, oh, that's. Hasn't it when we see him again as white hair? Hasn't it only been like five or six years? Like why? Why is we he don't, even I mean, We we please some and no one else has white hair. No, no one else has white hair. Even the though they're stress, all older than him, the stress of the prison. He's unlined. He looks not a day over whatever we saw last. He just has pure white <laughs> just hair. White hair. The, it messed up the timeline a lot because I was like, so did he lose the white hair through the shock of thinking that like his true love was dead and then sitting in this shit whole prison? Or are we meant to think like a lot? Because I was like, how long was John Hyun farming with those chickens by the creek? Like, I right? don't know. Like without it. <laughs> okay. We're going to get there soon. But okay, yeah, okay, I did okay, want to okay. touch. Yeah, I yeah. did want to touch on justice. I just, we get so few. I mean, I watch a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of BL. But we don't get often um, queer characters in mainstream dramas 
And when we do, we don't often get them like just being cool. Yeah. And so this was just a bummer to like yet again feel let down by that. Yeah. Um, because he's so he was kind of pathetic several times. Yeah. Be melodramatic. Look, there's not many out there. I was trying to think like where has like some positive like queer representation, and that was one I landed on where it was just like somebody was just like living their life, had a partner, like wasn't causing drama like it was just like just allowed to like be a human being essentially um there's one good one oh let me look it up it's parky then um i'll look it up go on you can move on okay okay um and then a couple of people in the patreon just wanted to say how much they hated the princess got she should have died i hated that (laughs) she changed her mind look i had a really hard time having sympathy for got for one reason because when they presented her at first she just kills slaves for fun. Yeah. And from I'm there, like, it was okay. hard for me. To, and I mean, like, I was like trying to be like context. I was like, no, like, I'm just not going to feel your feminine struggle when you're just out here, just freaking arrowing up these like vulnerable, beautiful people mm-hmm. for just no real fun. So when she did her like little like dramatic, I'm just going to, you know, end my life, jump off this bridge. And then he had to save her because he's heroic. I was honestly like, I would have respected him more if he just watched her go and was like, Okay. Yeah, she's like, like, my husband left me. I'm like, I don't care, girl. I, was I don't like, care. I just, if you had not had her actively murdering slaves, right. I would have had a lot more empathy for her character. But once yeah. you're just murdering slaves because you're bored and spoiled, mm-hmm. I'm yeah. not coming back from that one. <laughs> Hard <No>. pass. <laughs> okay, I found it. Um, it's Love and Contract. And it's Park Min Young and Go Kim Pyo. And her best friend... Her BFF is a gay man, and he's got a great arc. He's a great character. I haven't analyzed that drama, so I don't know if they do some bummer things. But for the most part, I remember him as fantastic, and he's got a great storyline. Okay. So he doesn't die or cause any hard pain. Okay. <laughs> okay. So here is a controversial opinion, and then we will discuss it to close this drama out. Controversial opinion. This is from the Patreon. I didn't mind the amnesia plot in episode 19. I didn't see it coming and we got to see our main couple finally getting moments of levity and domestication. I'm glad that wrong Um didn't use the amnesia as an excuse to manipulate our main lead, which was plausible. Having said that, I am disappointed it came back in episode 21. <laughs> Perhaps they should have saved it to the very last episode, but twice in one drama, twice in one drama is a bit much a bit (laughs) a bit (laughs) i was like this is a very polite way to say (laughs) i was trying to think of like what's the horrible line from jungkook's 3d where it's like you know one girl too boring too like i'm like one amnesia like i'm like i can't i have a lot of patience for amnesia one amnesia I can probably hang with one amnesia most times in K-drama. I'm like, it's K-drama. We got some amnesia. It's fine. But when you fucking hit me with the close out of a 21 episode <laughs> epic opera. And the twist is fucking amnesia. Somebody actually wrote on the Patreon. Here is one twist. So somebody's take. And I thought this was such a generous take from the listener. They were like, I think he has dementia. And I, I mean, was like, that he got feels hit in the head. 
a lot. I was like, that feels very, very generous. Because, like, I'm not willing to be that generous. He absolutely has CTE at this point to, like, have, you know, amnesia twice. And I remember I messaged you. Okay, I watched episode 19. And just FYI, I was already not on board much at this point. I was losing interest fast. And then we had a whole episode of amnesia. The plot wasn't moving forward. Nothing was happening. There was almost no point to the amnesia unless that was their plan for fun and games, which don't fucking give me fun and games with amnesia. That's not (laughs) how you do. (laughs) It's not how you do fun and games. But I, so I remember I messaged you at the end and I was like, okay, well, that was pointless. He had, he had amnesia for an entire episode and then magically remembers everything. Okay, Mm -hmm. fine, fine, whatever. And then I just said, keep going. Yeah, you wrote, you gave me like a gift that was like, you just wait. And then when it (laughs) happened again, I, I said, I sent you like an all caps message. I was like, again, are you fucking serious? So I thought he died. It was like, I was like, I, okay. I, I was genuinely, I was actually genuinely sad. I was like, fucking bummer. Like, this sucks. It makes sense, though, that he's dead. I don't like that he's dead, but he's dead. And I really thought that we were going to have some sort of, like, goblin tea, tea house afterlife reunion, which I was like, I don't know if I love it, but I kind of imagined that they were going to have, like, old Gilche somewhere. And then, like, you know, she was going to, like, because I knew something was going to come at the beach again. Like, we, I knew the beach was coming back. Mm. So I kind of thought, like, he'd be waiting for her at the beach and then she'd come and we kind of have this, like, sad, but, like, they ended it with them together even though they were dead. I really thought that's where we were going. And I had made peace in my head that, like, I I was like, okay, what what else is there? But when they cut down Yunjun by going to his house in the 30 seconds they had like i mean like literally second just i know we do coincidences but this was really like years have gone by since you've separated from your husband you decide to go back the day he's he's just kicked the stool back (laughs) you cut him down and at that point he decides to deliver the bombshell he's fucking had up his sleeve for years which is and there's no body I never actually saw him die. Really, Yunjun? You are the and worst. I look for the body a lot. And nobody was like, you know what, Yunjun? Fuck you. I'm going to string you back up and right? end your miserable yeah. life. Instead, we have to be like, oh, poor poor man feels sad. <laughs> poor man cry. Oh, <laughs> he feels like, bad. Oh. Yeah. I was like, what? No. No, yeah. no, no, no. Une, do better. Like, go hook up with, like, yeah. at this point, like, Une, find a beautiful milkmaid and, like, live your best life. Yeah. And then she just takes him back for awful. no reason. Like, nothing happens after he that. Cri- She's just he, like, okay, yeah. He, he cried. Oh, he, he cried. cried yeah. and oh, well. He cried. Okay. I hope she smothers him in his sleep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, satin pillow. Une should Ugh. have just, I mean, yeah. And the fact that Guilty doesn't lose her absolute fucking mind that she's like, excuse me? There's no fucking body and you would go back periodically to look but you're sure he's dead but you're clearly not really that sure because that's why you're telling us with all your guilt and you never said a single word to me you asshole you just sat there feeling sad for yourself learning about hypocrisy and then you were just gonna fucking kill yourself and not even tell me before you killed yourself right and there wasn't even a reason for him to keep that secret at that point 
Like, what What no. was the reason? There, I mean, I guess because he had been told to kill him, I guess he would be revealing that he had not. But that was pointless, too, for years to have held it onto it. Mm-hmm. Just, just because he thought he was just little. Like, yeah, it just was shitty. It was shitty. And I could not get over, like, I was like, Yunjin, I don't, I'm like, I'm like, I'm sorry that you put all your eggs in the wrong fucking basket. But sometimes, and then I was like, so you have to put all your eggs into such a bad basket. Find out that it's not going to make you an omelet. It's just going to make you fucking have salmonella. And then you don't even get a punishment. Your punishment is that, like, you get to go back and be, like, coddled by this woman. Who is amazing and beautiful and you don't deserve her. At all. Boonhei should have just been alone at that point. I think she should have just found a cute milkmaid. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, and like Yunjun was came back and was like, oh, oh, and then she's like, sorry, I'm getting because <laughs> Yunjun also does not go downtown. Let's be clear. Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely <laughs> not. He never do has anything. <laughs> he climbs on top. Climbs on top. Two pumps. <laughs> <laughs> Justice for Une. <laughs> probably, probably one really aggressive boob squeeze, and then he's done. Oh, absolutely an aggressive boob squeeze, right at climax. Yeah, right, and that, and then that's it. And he's like, Ugh, and then that's it. And he rolls over, and then he sleep. doesn't actually think that like women have pleasure because that would make them like icky, right? Whereas Jung Hyun is spending all his time down there, like. Oh. <laughs> He lives down there. So she's like, I've got to go, I've got to go, like, milk a cow. Like, you need to just, like, get off. Get off. He's like, I'm not done. No. (laughs) He, it's like an in and out (laughs) drive-thru. Oh, oh god i need therapy for you and jen i hated him so much by the I end i did i, I thought he was him. hot in like a himbo way oh i never I like, did no oh, i was did. also like they couldn't find him more att- sorry oh no i actually him. thought the actor was hot i was oh, no. i was i like his face card and also i thought he did a good job in playing someone that i wanted to fucking murder so good job e hop jew oh yeah because as an actor i fucking hated your character yeah i okay. also wanted to murder him so Jung Hyun, we find out, is not dead. He somehow convolutedly got amnesia after killing a bunch of people on the beach. And the arrows all missing him and him kind of shuffling away. And all he can remember is Gilche's beautiful fantasy of the life they could have together. If you had not given me episode 19 amnesia, I could have been like, you know what? Sure. Yeah. Same. Fuck it. Sure. Mm-hmm. I still Somebody would have been told angry. Me episode- I mean, I wouldn't have loved it, but I wouldn't have been as incandescent as I was. Yeah, because then I, then I was just laughing. Like, then I was, yeah. I didn't take, I almost didn't take it seriously. I was like, well, that, and I'm just totally out. Yeah. Yeah. My problem was at the end when they were having their final confession and she was talking about her dear husband and all of a sudden and he's like, he sounds like a real nice guy, you know? And then I was like, I I was like, wake up, snap your fingers like Thanos. Let's get the show on the road. We like, what is happening? So when he did and he started crying and look, this was the problem is, and this is why I'm mad. They were both great. 
Yes. They were doing the job they needed to do. They were bringing the emotion to the scene. They were acting their asses off. They were really earning their paychecks. This yeah. is not a knock on them. They were not overwrought. The plot had failed them at this point and they were hanging on and they were beating with what they had. I fully believe that they were probably like, are we seriously doing this again? Like, they probably read the script and they were probably like, for fuck's sake, are you serious? Like, they have I, to have been. I started laughing and I was like, I hate that I'm laughing so much right now. Me too, because, because I love the drama. I, 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 there was one point where I was like, I am so invested that all they would have to do for the rest of this drama is juggle. And I'm going to say it's in my top five. Yeah, you did. I have the proof. It's in a message to me. And then they <laughs> did they did worse than juggle. <laughs> If they had just stopped and juggled the rest actually, of the time, like yeah. all we do is juggle, I'd actually, be like, just "Juggle." <laughs> well, see, and that's the thing too. If it, I liked the way episode twenty ended. I was like, episode twenty ended perfectly fine. I don't know why we needed twenty one. I think it was because it got so popular. This is my hunch: is it got so popular? It's like let's let's just like you know let's milk this out. Well, I they mean, fucked like, it. They fucked it. There's definitely and a I theory. Think, I think the timing of adding another episode was around. 1718 and that's why that's when the slow and pointless first amnesia episode 19 mm. got added in so the theory is that that was like a non-plot episode and yeah. so it was like quote character development and they did the amnesia and then that's what that was the extra episode and that's why it would it didn't quite make sense i mean it did yeah. but didn't and then yeah the end happened and okay. even if you wanted to posit that, like, 19 was fun in games, it did not feel fun in games for me when it's amnesia. Yeah. If you look at, like, how, like, the beats – and I am going to say that, like, there is a reason why beats work and, like, the journey you go on as, like, you're watching a show. That sh- – the fun in games should have all been, like, much early. Not – like, when – like, episode 14-ish, we should have been having some fun in games. Like, yeah. there should have been something around then when we had, like, okay, you're reconnecting and there's, like, some promise of something. I will also say I am not an amnesia hater. I like it overall in dramas, but it needs to be in a drama that's kind of bonkers where it makes sense. Where like tossing in amnesia is like, oh, of course. Okay. Like it's almost delicious mm-hmm. to be adding in something that k- kooky. This was mm-hmm. not that drama. Like this was just like, what is amnesia? Why? Why are we here? This isn't fun to me or like a plot twist that works it just felt i don't know i was mad even if we had done fake amnesia i would have been less angry where he like faked it to get the fun in games and was just kind of being a brat and then was like he he i didn't and here i am and she could be like oh you're so silly that would have been i could have even lived with that that would have been more in line with his character too because he would have some strategy behind it and he's thinking five steps ahead and yeah that i agree with you that could have worked Another really generous take I saw somebody say was, well, it made sense to me because he got amnesia in 19, which meant he was just, like you said, CTE, like just a better candidate for amnesia later because he already had the brain problems. And I was like, mm. I, I mean, I'm going to respect somebody to have that view. And if that like got them through and they finished the drama, like that's legit for me. Good. It didn't. I didn't feel that way. See, I guess what frustrates me the most is that. I loved episode. I loved the beginning so much. Like I'm talking, I was like, "Wow, this mm-hmm. might this this might move into my top five. Like this is crazy good." And then when it went off the rails at the end, I think 
that's why I was so mad. You were I, like, I, I'm not watching a historical again for years, is what you That's what I said. I go, I go, well, I'm off Sagooks for like years now. So <laughs> thanks, my dearest. I took a chance on this. And then I got fucking political and intrigue and scholars for three episodes. I was furious. <laughs> but I, I just, I loved, I loved the beginning so, so much. I almost wish it had been meh the whole way through. And then I just would have been meh. But instead, I'm, I was actually angry because I was like, this had so much potential. And I, and the thing is, I, I could see how like the end of episode 21, the part where he's like building this house because he remembered her dream. I can see how that's like so romantic, especially for people who are still like fully invested in the romance. And I was almost like jealous because I think that there are people that still absolutely love that. And we're still really rooting for the romance that probably were like, this is perfect. And I wanted to be like that. Like, I truly did. And so the fact that I didn't feel like that just made me even angrier. Because <laughs> um, I really, I wanted to feel it. I wanted to feel how I felt in the first season, which was just everything. And I do think, um, I didn't realize, I, all I said was, all I kept thinking was, well, I didn't like all like the palace stuff and whatever. But Leah... You saying that that that's exactly what happened. We got away from like the women. We got away from Gilche. We got away from all of that. And that's when my interest waned. I'm glad. Here's the thing. I'm glad I watched it. I yeah. am glad I watched it. Me too. Now that I have like simmered away from like being mad at the end, <clears throat> what it's going to leave me with. The, the thing that I, I'm grateful for is I'm not being left with my anger and goal at the end I'm left with the warm feelings I had the rest of the time and so that's good I am not going to watch it again probably I don't think it's going to be yeah it's not in my top favorites because of where it ended it is one of my all-time favorite couples in k-drama for sure the two leads are two of my all-time favorite characters in k-drama now for sure. And he's he's one of my all-time favorite heroes. That is my style mm-hmm. of hero. That level of competence, wielding yeah. power, playful, sassy, independent, all of it. Like, that's my kryptonite. I'm in. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, I, I agree. And I will say, too, I – because I remember I messaged you. I was like, we got to record about this soon before I, like, block the trauma of it. Or I, I said something like, before I get amnesia – about this drama (laughs) um but i would say talking about the drama now like like remembering the good parts i do think that in the end that's what i'm going to be left with i'm going to be left with the warm feelings um i would say gilche is still probably my favorite heroine of the year i mean for sure because i i just loved her so much i mean she never really let me down um there's also i'm sorry go ahead no i i just I agree with Leah. I'm left with warm feelings. Me too. And I also, we didn't, and we don't need to talk about these, but there were a lot of side characters. I loved the crown prince. I loved big young. Like there were so many side characters that were just fabulous that added to the overall texture of this drama, especially early on that I thought were really great. Um, it, it, all, all of that, I don't want to lose any of that value in talking about how disappointing the ending was, because for me, this drama was all about these characters. The fact that the 
the plot or the overall story let me down. The characters really did not for the most part. I mean, that's maybe mm-hmm. a little bit disconnected because how could they if they're following a plot that falls apart? But I really loved these characters pretty much through to the end. And I will say it's been longer for me since it's ended. And that is what I have walked away with. Like that frustration in talking about it, it comes back. But that's not really what I feel when I think about it. That's good. That's good. And uh-huh. I, like I said, I think I still feel some, but it's waning. And because I don't want to be frustrated. Because I, oh, man. Like, again, I just... I've been thinking more about season one. And again, like that slow-mo of her running on the beach, that will be kind of like, you know, like episode 11 of of King, the Eternal, okay. Episode 11 of King, the Eternal Monarch, you know, when he's like riding his horse through the streets. It's like an iconic scene that I think about a lot. Like I I can like picture it in my head. That scene of her running on the beach is like a scene I can picture in my head. And I'll probably continue to picture in my head and will stick with me. Um, And if that's, the scene that sticks with me most from the drama, which is like, you know, the heroine's bravery, then that's great. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm going to just remember the fact that this drama made my heart flutter and presented itself with unique charms. Oh, it did. It did. It made my heart flutter so many times. The costuming also was fantastic. So it felt very epic in many ways. Um, the soundtrack the colors they too. put yeah yes. the soundtrack was great Beautiful. i mean visually so, it was stunning and i this is a the, you know what i'm going to tack this in because it doesn't serve a purpose it's hacked at the end it should have come three-fourths of the earlier in the podcast <laughs> so i'm going to say it now because that just fits with the scope okay. i like the crown prince and the crown princess I thought they were cool yeah, characters. I like them too. And justice for them. I felt bad for them. I thought they were great. This was a terrible time to bring them up as we're wrapping up. But oh. it fits pacing wise with yeah. mirroring <laughs> the <laughs> drama we just went through. That's basically what this drama did. was like, boop, 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 boop. Oh, this thing we don't really need to care about. Or when we're wrapping up and we're doing something totally different. Let's just spend some time with that for a second. Yeah, no, I, I actually really love the Crown Prince. That was actually part of the palace stuff that I really, really liked. I love the Crown Prince and I love the Crown Princess. Um, and I also, I hated, I hated that they died. I really did. And I kind of did know that was going to happen, but yeah. it didn't make it any easier. They needed to die. I mean. <laughs> no, I mean, like, well, first, historically, yeah. they needed to die. Right, right. They did. Um, But... uh. Yeah, I mean, it was sad and painful, and I'm glad it was sad and painful. And you know what? One other plug as we are closing out is something we did not touch on, and I think it's very appropriate that we did not, was a lot of the more like historical parts of this drama, as well as kind of the examination of Confucianism for better and worse, and kind of what was held up in that. Afternoon Asks is going to talk about this drama at some point, too, with a lens of using like that Confucian framework and what the drama was kind of like tackling within that. Oh, thank God. I think that's great. I would I actually really want to listen to that. And I'm glad that's not something I feel equipped to tackle at all. No, I feel like we talked about it more from the lens of how a romance was structured and what went well and what didn't in terms of like story. Right. I agree. So yeah, I mean, I hope you enjoyed listening to us talk about this. It was a little bit more we kind of went more off the cuff because we kind of just were like, we can't like, uh, summarize the drama. So uh, it just would have been uh, a long podcast, but we wanted to get all our thoughts out. So as we close out, Becky, do you want to tell our listeners just 
in one minute about your podcast because anyone who enjoyed spending time with you today should pop over and listen to It's Bananas too. Megan is the biggest fan of the podcast. I am. I love It's Bananas. I listen to it all the time. Thanks. Uh, yeah, so I am the host of It's Bananas. I go by the name Fruit Maven. You can find me on Instagram at, at Fruit Maven. My podcast is about juicy living and using fruit both as a metaphor in life, but also literally tasting fruit to lead to self-discovery, connection, joy, and community. I podcast plenty of times by myself, and I've recently started adding a lot of guests, and so there will be both going forward. And it's fun, and I get And it's great, and I love it. And she has a very soothing voice, so it's just a delightful listen. Thank you. Can I just say one thing, too? I didn't tell you guys this ahead of time. So uh, more than a year ago, before I even was friends with you guys, I wrote a list of absurd goals for my life. I had listened to your podcast. You guys were like, I was like a fangirl. On the list, I had things like win a Grammy, like just truly absurd things. Do a pull-up. For me, this is absurd. Trust me. On that list was be a guest on Afternoon of Delight. I didn't. <gasps> oh, are you serious? I'm dead serious. And yes, I <laughs> so felt <we're> not- <laughs> that was equal to winning a Grammy. Yes, I did. And doing a pull-up. I have never once asked to be a guest on this podcast. We were not friends. So this is like a big goal for me. I was very delighted to be invited. Thank you so much for having me. I had a really good time. My dreams are coming through in real life. So manifesting <laughs> works. You guys are the best. I love it. This was the best. Oh, well, we love you very much. And yes. that makes me so happy. It feels so now you can be like, you can just like highlight it or like check it and be like, done. I know. <laughs> and just remember that when you start working in your pull-ups, because that's going to be a bit. Oh, my God. <laughs> that one will be a little harder. There's probably a bigger chance of me winning a Grammy than doing a pull-up. Same. Same. <laughs> Even when I was like a 10 and they did like the presidential fitness award, right. I was like the kid that just hung there. I was the flex arm hang. <laughs> yeah, I was a flex arm aimer too. Yeah. At some point, I'm going to have to lurk at exactly how I worded the goal. And I'm like, would wearing a pull-up count? Like, how could I get around this and still meet this goal? <laughs> You know what? You could do an energy resistant band pull up because you didn't say that you couldn't do it with assistance. True. You don't have to like yeah. raw dog a full pull up. Yeah. There you go. Someone will kind of boost you up there. Yeah. Like when Megan ran her 5K and inspired us all. Yeah. Yeah. I have to run a mile tomorrow, which I can do that. You can do it. Dreams come yeah. true. I mean, my husband's running uh, 10K. I was like, mm, I'll do the mile. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, but no thanks. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm glad that we helped make dreams come true tonight, even though this drama didn't make all of our dreams come true. It made a few. It made a few. (laughs) And it brought us, you know, Minamku. So, yeah, there there we go. go. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening. And we'll see you next time. Annyeong! Kamsamnida. Thank you for listening to Afternoon of Delight. Where can you find us outside the pod? Head on over to AfternoonAdelight.com. That's A-F-T-E-R-N-O-O-N-A-D-E-L-I-G-H-T dot com. You'll find links to all our social media, our book recs, K-pop and K-skincare recs, and if you want even more Afternoon of Delight, because really who doesn't, you can join our Patreon, where you can choose the patron level that's right for you. 
Join in daily K-drama conversations, listen to bonus podcast episodes just for patrons, and participate in our monthly live K-drama support group via Zoom. We can't wait for you to be a part of the community. Until next time, annyeong!